Hi, everybody. Parsha, Nikates, and Hanukkah. Our subject today is going to be Yosef. And in particular, we are looking at Yosef's chachma, his intelligence, his unimpeded, you know, um, you know, um, um, trajectory to, you know, straight. He is successful from the second he like hits the ground in Egypt. He is a superstar, like just he's just getting more and more and more successful. And we're going to understand what that comes from and how what the inner workings of his mind were, which led him to achieve such success and to become so beloved, so influential, so uh, adored and admired in Egypt. Don't forget that when we think about Yosef in Egypt, which is the first time that we encounter the following type of situation where somebody from the, 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 the family of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarif, Gorachaleah, family of our ancestors, the founders of what would be Judaism, finds himself in a completely foreign cultural culture. He's the only one. He's just him. And he has no reason not to assimilate. His whole family basically rejected him. He has really no idea if his father and brother Benjamin were in on the conspiracy. I mean, it was his father who sent them to the brothers, right? To go see how they're doing, which led to the whole thing. So he has every right to say, they've abandoned me, I'm abandoning them, that's it, and move on. However, early on in Yosef's career, so to speak, he decides who he wants to be. And as we know, he chooses to deeply identify himself with the values he learned in his parents' home and never deviate ever. And that's who he becomes. And from the moment he decides who he is, he just, like we said, he just takes off on this path to stardom, literally. And, um, and, uh, and so we see, and, we, and the question is, how does one do that? How does one find themselves in a totally foreign culture with values that are radically different and lock into their identity and despite the fact that they might not want him, okay, his family, he wants their identity no matter what. He wants to be part of that identity. He locks into it and he becomes stronger and stronger and more powerful. And then he influences the most important empire on earth. And it's fundamental to understand exactly what sort of influence he had in particular, because that is gonna link us to the Hanukkah story. And what we're going to, Compare and contrast is the whole, the whole mindset, okay? The whole, the whole inner restructuring of the mind that happens when we decide what we're going to forget and what we're not going to forget. It's all about forgetting because as you know, in Al-Hanisim, it's very strange language. It says what the Greeks wanted to do, it doesn't say forbid them from learning Torah, it says lahashkicham, to cause them to forget. Let's go into the choices we make about what we're gonna forget and what we're not gonna forget in terms of how that forms our identity, all righty? Forgetting, some people call it denial. It's not quite denial, it's, it's selective forgetting, all right? Your wheels are already rolling, Yosef, Yosef, you think about it, it's in the notes, you'll get to it, but already you're thinking, where do we even see directly that Yosef clearly thinks about what he desires to forget, what he decides to forget? Where do you see in the Torah that Yosef kind of announces what he decides to forget? Anybody know? That's different, no. But when he decides to forget something, we'll get His to it. Brothers, what they did Where do you know that he decided to forget it? We'll get to it. It's in the notes. Okay, here we go. Exactly. You guys are unbelievable. That's right. Naming his son. Menashe, we'll see in the notes. He says, Hashem caused me to forget, help me forget the pain, the growing pains back then. Okay, so here's how we're going to do it. Number one, we made a, a, a commitment, we, the royal we, that um, this year it's all going to be about Nevoah, but we're at a transitional, all the Nevoahs in Sefer Bracious. 
that are the, the main messages to our, our founders about what Judaism is going to be about, how it's going to unfold. Well, when you get to Yosef, you never see direct Nevoah. There's no more direct Nevoah. But what you see in Yosef is the, the uh, offshoot of Nevoah, which is ex excessive chachma. How does it work that a person's mind becomes able to think so correctly and so precisely that it can be that it, it becomes obvious and recognizable that this type of chachma supersedes everything? It, it's a game changer. It supersedes everything beneath it. Nothing compares to this sort of chachma. How does it work? So we already learned about how nevuah works, how a navi clears their mind of all extraneous thoughts, only draws in truths and Torah ideas. And then when they grapple and work with those great ideas in their waking hours, in their lucid hours, then they go into a sleep, into a trance, and those ideas transform into visuals, into muscles, into allegories. And then they understand even more and they get even greater epiphanies and insights and messages, but they're delivered in these like visuals, like Yaakov's ladder, right? This is a visual that Rambam explains that Yaakov saw that helped him understand deep, deep truths that mm -hmm. he couldn't, that are too big for us to grasp with our lucid mind, but they emerge in our imagination and our dimyon as visuals, but they'll only emerge in the imagination of someone whose mind is purified, who has already eliminated all extraneous thoughts, who has only opened their mind to what's called deot nechono, true ideas. In a purified mind, these visuals can emerge, right? We've learned all about this. Let's see what Rambam says in order to just understand where Yosef's coming from and what the power of his character and his intelligence and how influential he was, where it's coming from. So Rambam says in Shmona Prakim, all right? And you can read the whole thing, but we're just going to focus on the main parts. As we explained in the previous chapter, this is chapter five, it is the duty of man to subordinate all the faculties of his soul to his reason. When Ramam talks about the faculties of his soul, he's speaking about something we've learned, the five components of our mind, okay? Our seichel, our dimyon, our passions that come from that, all of those things. And he says, a person must... Um, subordinate all the faculties of his soul to his reason. He must keep his mind's eye fixed constantly upon one goal, namely the attainment of knowledge of God. So far as it is possible for mortal man to know him. In other words, you must choose. This is an active choice to learn, to learn, to learn. Everything in Yosef, particularly, that was passed down to him from, you know, starting with Avram, is what he clearly decided to make the emphasis, the priority, and the and his um, you know, and his and his focus of what he how he thought, what he cared about, what he learned, what he filled his mind with. Keep going. So his only design in eating, drinking, cohabiting, sleeping, waking, moving about, and resting should be the preservation of bodily health. He's talking about in um, you know keeping your body in top shape. Okay, while in turn. The reason for the latter, why do you keep your body in good shape? Why do you have to take care of yourself? Is that the soul and its agencies may be sound, may be sound and perfect condition so that he may readily acquire wisdom and gain moral and intellectual virtues all to the end that man may reach the highest goal of his endeavors. So what Rambam is saying here is the reason you eat well and the reason you exercise, the reason you do everything is because your main goal in life is how you think how you think that you're thinking correctly. And that am thinking correctly means that a person has the ability to, to, um, to hone their mind so that it is a Kaylee, it's a vessel that can absorb, draw in and absorb great truths, which in those days came from his father's house. So just, you know, all those lessons. Why do you think, why do you think Yaakov was favoring Yosef. Yaakov was training him. Yaakov was, was teaching him. Yaakov was setting him up for this. This was, Yaakov knew what he was doing, obviously. Yaakov was setting him up to think correctly, was teaching him and teaching him and teaching him more than everyone else because Yosef was going to go into this situation. And this Yosef always, as you know, is representing when there is no more nevuah, no more nisim. It's very, a lot of parallels to Hanukkah where we have to rely on chachma, but chachma can only blossom in a mind that is conditioned and is purified and has good ideas for the chachma to, to, to work with. So the first, so what's happening here is Yosef, as we know, 
goes through some sort of decision making. We know that we're going to see in a, in, the, in in a moment where he makes a decision to think a certain way. Period. And that ability that he has to be this unusual ability to be so smart, to think so correctly, to think so straight is a function of what we just learned here. Priorities, choosing what he's gonna know. And of course, the, the investment that his father made in him of teaching him truths, okay? Exactly for this role and for our role in this entire long Gullis where we have no more Navua, but we shift to Chachma. Now, we always spoke about this uh, transition from Navua to Chachma in terms of childhood to adulthood, right? When we, this long Gullis that we're in, which is always uh, uh, identified with Rachel and Yosef and Benyamin, they're always the leaders in, in the Gullis, uh, their descendants. Um, we're always talking about when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, I've taught you everything you need to know. It's in the 24 Sifrei Tanakh. I've infused you with all the truths. Now go, you learn them, internalize them, and now work with the situation around you wherever you find yourself and use your Chachma, which is built off of these great ideas that are in the 24 Sifrei Tanakh. If you lived back in the time of Hanukkah, or even in the time of after the Chorban Bayashani, you'd literally have one book, one bookshelf, one, 24 books, that's about it, until the Mishnah was written. And then billions of books came after that, because that's the Chachma that we are cultivating, that we're working with those ideas that we learned, and we're developing um, all sorts of new insights, understandings, applications to that. So Yosef is the paradigm for that. So first of all, this is what happens with Yosef. He makes a concrete decision. What is going to be his the thoughts that he's going to fill his head with? He puts aside the possibility that they don't want me, whatever that means. They got rid of me. They think I'm like Asa. They think I'm like Ishmael. I don't know, but I don't care what they say. I know who I am. So nothing matters to Yosef except these true deep values that he internalized, that he knows are true, and he's going to live by them no matter what. Okay. Now that we're number two in the notes. Just to re re refresh your our memories about something we learned in the past, um, Rachel, Leia, and Yosef, particularly, the, the force that is, that is identified with them is a force you might come up um, and, and see when you're researching around, getting a little born in more the Kabbalistic mode. There's a force called Iskalia. Of course, the root of it is Giloy, Gal revealed. Iskalia means it's open and it's revealed. It's very interesting because we always talk about Iskalia in relationship to Rachel, here in relationship to Yosef. Giloy means Galoi. We think, wait a minute, Galoi is like open miracles, like in the time of the Beis Hamikdash. What do you mean Galus? Yosef and Mitzrayim in this culture that he represents Giloi revelation. So it's important to understand what Iskalia means in relationship to the Galus. Iskalia means that Yosef, he's the model, takes the ideas that were, that were taught to him in his youth, in his father's home, okay, that represents us in Eretz Yisrael with Nisim and Avua and a thousand years of Jewish history and all, a thousand years of childhood, where our chinuch years, then when we had Nisim and Avua, he takes them and he says, I am going to identify by these, by these values openly, consistently, in Gullus, I am going to be the one that is that will never falter, will never, will never forget who I am. I'm going to take these ideas that are deeply embedded in me. I've internalized them, and I will stand for them in an open and obvious way throughout the entire Gullus. I will not pretend. I will not. I will. I will not assimilate, intermarry. I will not pretend I'm somebody different. I'm going to stand up for these ideas. I'm going to take these ideas which live in, inside of me, in my pnim, and I am going to be a person who's a reflection of those ideas in the face of everybody. Yosef is the, those people, those that the center of gravity, those great righteous women and men throughout history who never, who refused to change their identity, period. They refused to give in. 
They were the ones that were always there. So everybody else who faltered could find their way back because there was somebody still standing who knew who they were and they would never give in. There was a strength in Gullus to be the light in the darkness. And that, those people make a decision early on that nothing's more important than authenticity. That's a big word today. And that's, they're gonna be who they are, period. Okay, now, once Yosef decides this, you see right away in the beginning, right away in the beginning of, uh, even before Miketz, last week, right from the beginning, you see who Yosef is. Look at chapter 39, right? He gets down to Egypt. Like we said, he hits the ground running. He gets bought by Potiphar. Vayar Adonav, his master sees, God is with him. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's totally successful. He never, this never changes for Yosef. He's like, he's just like, you know, on this, like, um, this trajectory, just like we said, to stardom in Egypt. And um, look at Rashi on the next, on these two seconds. Oh, sorry. I did this twice. No, secondly. It, uh, the Rashi says, Ki Hashem Ito, Hashem is with him. Simple, shame, shamayim, shagur, bafiv. What that means that Hashem is with him. It means that Yosef was with Hashem. It means that Yosef constantly referred to Hashem. Everything he did, he said, Baruch Hashem, because Hashem this, because Hashem that, because this is our values, because this is our truths, because Hashem is, uh, is behind, this is uh, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it. So everything was Hashem, Hashem, shagur, bafiv. So he's walking around in Egypt, the pagan culture of the day, and he's just openly bringing his ideas into the conversation. And because of this, all right, he is not just confident with who he is. And we saw, we mentioned last week, remember confidence is beauty. We mentioned last week that when he really fully comes into his confidence and he sees who's, how successful he is, that's when Aisha's Potiphar just, you know, decides to, you know, try her best to have this relationship with him. But right before that, it says he was beautiful. And we say, why doesn't it say he was beautiful, you know, when he was a kid in his father's house and never mentions his beauty, you know, when he was described exactly like his mother, Rachel, you write, you are beautiful. Why not when he was a kid? Because the beauty that he, that he radiated became fully evident when he decided that he, who he was and he stuck to it. Then the Torah says he was beautiful. And that's when Aisha Spotifar went ahead and saw what, who, how much she wanted to have some sort of connection to him. That's a, a story in and of itself, right? Now, look at Sukkim, look at, look at the, look at the, look at um, Parak 39, Parak 41. Everything he touches, he just, he just, he, he just owns, as they say, okay? So when he gets thrown into jail, the supervisor of the jail said, you know what? Can you run this place? And he gave the entire thing over to Yosef, did not supervise anything that Yosef did, made Yosef in charge of the whole jail because, because he saw, it says, Basher Hashem Ito, Hashem was with him. Basher who Ose Hashem Atzlich, everything he did, Hashem made him successful. They began to see this is not natural. What is going on with this person? Now, Paro. Okay, when Yosef eventually, I'm just picking out a few psukim, there's many, many more when you go through the Parsha on the exact same theme. When he brings his great ideas to Paro about what to do about the famine, Paro Paro says to his servants, have you ever seen a person that has a spirit of God? Have you ever seen a person like this? Have you, we, they were, everybody was just in awe. Have you ever seen a person like this so smart? So, you know, and then the Midrashim go on and on how the women used to throw their jewelry at him and, and how everybody adored him and how he just was successful. I mean, there are many, many psukim in the, in the Parsha that you'll read that um, strengthen this idea, all right? Now, what happens here is that they're seeing something special about Yosef and we wanna understand it because it helps us understand his advice to Paro. And of course, Paro took his advice and it helps us understand Hanukkah. What happens with the big moment for Yosef is when Paro has the dreams, all right? And Paro sees the seven skinny cows eating the seven fat cows. Obviously that's Robin Biad Ma'atim. That's the Paro, the Hanukkah dreams. And Paro is terrified. And um, he doesn't know what he's looking at. And he worries 
because in the Egyptian system, all right, there were the good gods, the gods of light and, and creation and productivity, and, and there were the bad gods, you know, death, destruction, you know, all that. There were these two forces. There's always two forces, good against evil. It's the oldest thing in the world, the dark side. Okay, it's like Darth Vader against, you know. Okay, there's always, this is in everything. This is in everything. And he's terrified because you know what the dreams are indicating? What if the dark side wins? Skinny, runty, horrible looking cows that eat all the big fat. What, what, is this going, what, what does this mean? He's terrified. He doesn't understand it. Okay, so he calls in his advisors and they don't speak to the issue. And then eventually Yosef comes there. And Yosef, because of his chachma, that's a whole share. David, Rabbi Foreman has an amazing share about how he figured out what this all, that seven years with the seven cows. But with his chachma, he, um, he understands what's going on here. Now, this is fundamental. He understands that something is going to happen in nature, in the world, okay? And what Yosef contributes, which is not, which is radical. They have never even entertained the possibility of thinking the way Yosef thinks. Yosef says, something's gonna happen in nature. You pagans, okay? You don't even have the possibility of considering that you could get to know the mind of the gods and why they're doing what they're doing. That doesn't exist in the pagan culture, all right? You just know that the gods, whatever, whatever happened and here's the situation, there's gonna be a famine, all right? So what you're the best you can do is react to it and say, all right, so there's gonna be famine, so we're all gonna die, right? Because that's the will of the gods. Yosef says, no, it doesn't work like that at all. You see, let me tell you how I view nature. Let me explain to you how the Jewish people understand nature, all right? Look at the Pasuk here in 416, um, in, in four, okay? I'm sorry, no, here where we are. I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead here. 4116, okay? Says, it's not me. I'm not going to tell you. Um, if you understand the Jewish concept called Elohim, your mind is going to be set to rest. I'm going to change the way you think. You see, we have an idea called Elohim. Elohim, Gematria, is Teva, that there's one God who created all of nature, okay? And this God who created nature, created nature to be not some sort of terrifying demon and, and these forces that we don't understand that we are terrified before and they make us feel vulnerable and we're all pawns before these incomprehensible, overwhelming forces. That's not how we view the world. We view that a Kaddish Baruch this he created a very beautiful natural world. And everything in the natural world that Hashem created serves a purpose. And you know what the purpose is? to see through the unfolding of nature, through the, through the beauty and complexity and, and, and variety of nature and how nature works, Hashem wants us to learn and connect to him. Him, her, there's no gender, okay, just in case. Hashem wants us to connect to Hashem through seeing the beauty in nature, so seeing God's mind in nature, so seeing the complexity of variety, how much Hashem wants us to be happy, it gives us tastes and textures. And even this is an opportunity for Kaddish Baruch Hu to show you that he's guiding you and he's setting you up for success. The fact that Kaddish Baruch Hu is telling you what he's going to do in nature is because he wants you to take advantage of the, in the knowledge so that you can save up the food. Let me tell you what to do. Save up the food. And then you'll be the richest empire. Then you'll have all the food in the world. And everybody in the rest of the world will come to you for food. And that way, you'll be able to become the richest, most influential empire on earth. Because you will be, the whole world's money, like Amazon, will be pouring into Mitzrayim. Because you will be the only one who has food. Okay? And you will, therefore, have tremendous influence. So you also be saying, listen, the way we see it is, we don't look at the world and say, oh, my gosh, this is what's happening. How are we going to survive? No way. That's not the way we look at the world. We look at the world and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is using nature to bring about all sorts of different benefits and potential and, and, and strengths and eventually awareness and, and Hashem is guiding us through nature. You see, the difference between the way they see nature and the way we see nature, now we get to the Greeks, is let's call it reactive or proactive. Let's go back to an idea we learned, okay? Let's go back to an idea we learned, and then we're going to backtrack a little bit, called um, Das 
the difference between das hamikabelas and das hapoelas. Data mikabelet, data poelet. It's at the bottom, it's the end of your sheets. Okay, you, I didn't, uh, I'm not gonna go through it. I'm just gonna give you a summary. So at the end, we did this in the past. We've, we've already introduced this idea. And then we'll understand the Greeks and Yosef, Hanukkah and the whole thing. All right. Das hamikabelas, the Rambam explains, is the way most, almost every culture works other than Judaism, all right? says like this, okay, here's the world here. Okay, um, let's analyze it. Let's invest in it. Let's discover it so we can know how to best su survive in this world. Let's figure out what's going on here. So we can create medicines, we could create cell phones, so we could predict a, a tsunami and get out of the way so that we can increase our crops so that we can say, you know, start save, save the, you know, solve starvation. Let's study the world. And the more we study it, the more we get to know how it works, the more we can um, use it correctly and set ourselves up properly and secure, make our lives as secure and comfortable as possible. The problem is, then look at Corona, it keeps changing on you. You never quite get, you think you know something and it switches. You think you understand a principle, how it works, and then suddenly there's a new discovery. Dasa Mikabelis Ramam explains, for example, you get a car, you say, well, how does this car work? I don't know. How am I supposed to drive this car? I have no idea. So you look at the car and you have, let's say you have no instructions. You have no idea. Oh, it's like today when you give kids like an old rotary phone, they have absolutely no idea. So they start thinking, how does this work? And if you give them enough time, hopefully <coughs> they'll figure out how it works. Hopefully they won't know in the beginning, but they'll hopefully figure it out. If you look at a car and you say, I don't know what to do. So you start taking apart the engine, you start seeing where the engine is connected to the, you know, what part in the hood is connected to the steering wheel, what part is connected to the, to the, you know, gears, what part is connected to the brake, and you start figuring, imagine having to figure out a car, how to drive a car from the car itself. Okay, that is called Das Hamikabela. So you just, you're Makabel, you accept, you get something and you have to like figure it out going the law, that's a law, you know, that, that's going backwards. That is not the most efficient way to figure out how to drive a car, correct? There's a better way. It's called data poelet. You go to the one who designed the car, okay? Say, can I see the blueprints? Oh, you look at the blueprints for 10 minutes, you go, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. You speak to the designer of the car and the designer says, listen, this is exactly how it runs. So let me tell you how you're supposed to drive it. This is the way you drive it. And the designer tells you what are the best you know, what are, what's the best way to drive the car and what you shouldn't do because it will ruin the car. That is called Das Hapoelis. Okay, what Avraham and Sarah straight down to Yosef, what they were teaching their children and what we learn and we take for granted is called Das Hapoelis. They understand the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Hashem designed the world and they figured out exactly how Hashem wants us to use the world so that everything comes along smoothly. So they understood that the entire smooth functioning of nature is going to be a result of, watch this, our relationship, our kesher, our connection to God himself. The more a person is connected to God, and the more a person lives by what in those times is six, seven mitzvahs, all right? And a few more, they kept adding a few more. You, a person lives by God's design of the world, right? The more the world is going to function perfectly. So wait a second. So wait, if we live by the Torah and then there are no more famines like the bracha tells us and there is no poverty and there is no famine and there is no disease and the world is humming along perfectly, then do we need to study nature at all? Do we need to study science at all? And the answer is a resounding yes. Because we are not looking at nature and science to figure out how we should behave. We're looking at nature and science to discover the mind of God, the genius, the brilliance, the beauty, the messages, the complexity. Hashem is teaching us through nature. It's a whole different approach to nature and to science. We study nature because it reveals God in so many ways. We see that the messages and ideas that we were taught in Torah are actually implemented in nature themselves. There's so many examples of how science and nature reflect each other and reflect truths, great truths. You know, for example, the great example of the Kesher Tefillin, correct? Remember Hashem, Moshe says to Hashem, show me your kavod. Kavod means your presence in the world, in nature, your 
be you, you're the mind of God embedded in every aspect of nature. Show me how nature is the physical reflection of you. Show me your kavod. So Hashem shows him. Hashem said, I can't show you everything. All right. But um, he says, I'm going to show you something. And the, the Medrash teaches us, he showed him like a, like a chazan with the knot of tefillin. All right. So what does that mean? What does that mean? So the, when, you, when you look at a man wearing tefillin, right? You see the, the box, you see the front strap and the, the, the right and left strap and the right and the left strap, right? And you say, okay, I see a right strap and a left strap. That's obvious. But the problem is if you turn around, man turns around, you see the right strap hangs on the left and the left strap hangs on the right. Like, oh, so the, the, the spiritual message is what you're seeing here is not the whole story. You might, it might be a very different perspective up there. Okay, what's right down here is left up there and vice versa. The perspective will change radically for, in the higher realms. However, isn't it interesting that in nature, when a person gets a stroke in their right hemisphere, they're paralyzed on the left side? because the nerves that travel up the spine, they switch. It's called the decussation of the pyramids right under the tefillin Ta-da. Everything in nature is a reflection, everything. Every atom is seeking eight electrons to be shalem, to be whole. This is a basic Jewish idea about eight ishlemus. There's so much in nature. That's why we study nature, to reinforce and give us the joy of seeing Torah embedded in a physical world. It's a whole different approach to nature. So that's called the Das Apuelas. Now let's go to Paro, okay? Yosef, all right, his secret to success is he understands the inner realm that's driving the outer realm. He gets it. That is what he picked up in his father's home, that what you see, there's a whole inner realm driving what you're seeing on the outside. Don't just react to what you're seeing. Go deeper. Go into the inner realm. Go into the dasa poelis. Go into God's mind, God's purposes. Why is this happening? He says, I'll tell you what, this is happening to give you an opportunity to enrich yourself and make yourself the greatest, most powerful nation on earth for a good reason. We're going to eventually, we understand why that had to be. HaKadosh Baruch only puts Amishol under the, under the uh, yoke, so to speak, of the most powerful nations in order that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves Am, saves Am Yisrael from them, the impression is so big because they were the most powerful empire in the world, okay? So this is all building up to that. So Yosef, if you go back to four, okay? Yosef decides to forget the growing pains of his father's house and all of that, but he never forgets the messages that he learned about the inner realm, about the Das HaPoelis, or the Hanhaga HaPnimi, you can add that word, Hanhaga HaPnimi, the inner infrastructure, how things are working like, the, the, you know, when you look at a clock, the mechanism behind the, behind the, the hands that are moving. That he never, this is his perspective. There's always an inner working and he's always talking about it. This is what he brings to Paro. If you look in 4151 in four, he does, for he names his son Menashe. And Chazal say that Menashe's name Hashem allowed me to forget to let go of the growing pains that brought me to this place. But what I didn't forget, what he'll never forget is these messages, okay? Yosef, if you think about it, he is taking into Egypt what we often refer to as the Leah, okay? Leah, remember she was the one, she represents the Arhaganas, the light, the hidden, the light of truth. Remember, she, she produces Levi and, and Levi and Kahuna and all that. She represents the Arhaganas, the light of truth that gets deeply embedded in us when we go into Gullus. And it comes out in the, in the, in the personalities like Yosef, all right? The strong personalities. By the way, Yosef's connection to that Arhaganas that's embedded in him, is remember this, I just put this in here, but we're not talking about it. He was married to Asnas, who is Dina from Leah's daughter, and he was supposed to be from Leah. Remember that whole thing? There's a very strong connection of Yosef to Leah. Leah always represents for us the great ideas and truths that were embedded in the Chinuch years that eventually at the end of history will reemerge in full glory. But along the way, we take them with us into Golis, and Yosef is the one that, just, that identifies with them and makes them a priority. Now, what happens with the Greeks? 
a little bit of about our love-hate relationship with the Greeks, okay? Avraham was 1800 years before Aristotle, okay? Avram started teaching his children the, this, these ideas about the inner realm, the pnim, which Yosef eventually brings to the world in his explanation to Paro about Elohim, and this changes everything. And this is the beginning of the enlightenment of the secular world about, and the beginning of the diminution of the paganistic, you know, the awe of the, of the gods. 1800 years before Aristotle, okay, is Avram. He's already discovered all of this. He's already broken all the idols, all right? Here, 1800 years later, you have the Greek empire, which actually starts in the end of the Chorban, before the Chorban Rishon, okay? You have been signed out? Uh-oh. Okay. Um, so here comes Avraham, here comes Aristotle, all right? Aristotle says, and this is 100 years before Hanukkah, but he starts the idea that he says, you know what? All that mythology, all our stories about the inner realm, why things are happening in nature, because Zeus and Athena and, and, you know, and Dionysus and all the gods, you know what, that, all that stuff, that's nonsense. That's just ridiculous. That's just stupid. Okay. And we're done with it. All these explanations of why things are happening, we're done with it. It's time to take responsibility for the world, for, for, for our life in this world, to discover our world, to explore our world. Aristotle's called the father of modern science. He's really not. It was literally Avram. The only reason Aristotle actually had the hubris, which is a big Greek word, the hubris, the confidence and arrogance to analyze the gods in a notebook, like, oh, let me look at the sun and the moon and that is because, because of Yitzhiya Svensrayim, because of Yosef, because of the Avos, we had already done a job on the gods, okay? That was the Makos and Yitzhiya Svensrayim. So it trickled down through history and eventually humanity got the courage to say, maybe they're not what's running the world, actually. All right, but that would have never happened if not for Yitzhiya Svensrayim and, and Kriyas Yamsuf and all that. In the meantime, finally, the world catches up and says, you know what? Forget this our backstory. Let's look at the world and see what's really going on here. So the Jewish people say, hey, we love that. We have no problem with that. We love Greek. You know, you can write a Sefer Torah in Greek, in actual Greek letters. If you're allowed, there's the one language. Greek is about wisdom. Greek is about intelligence. We have no problem with that. But what changed was, okay, with time, what changed was this. And this was the Hanukkah conflict. They said, you know what, you guys, you also have a backstory. You know, you have your ancestors and your prophets and your miracles the whole time in the first base of Mikdash and the whole thing. You know what? Your backstory is also nonsense. Go d- g- turn your back on your backstory and let's just go forward and figure out our world. And we said, we're all for discovering nature, but we're doing it for a whole different reason. We're doing it because we love to see the hand of God in nature. We already know how to operate in our lives so that we should keep nature humming along properly. We're not living in fear of nature. We're not in survival mode science. We're in creator mode science. So you guys go ahead and discover the world, but we are not, we're, 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 we love it. You know, we're happy to be doctors and scientists and physicists, but we are not shutting the door or, or forgetting our backstory. We're not forgetting all the things we learned, just like Yosef didn't forget. We are not forgetting the, we have the blueprints. We got the shortcut. We're not going, we're not turning our back on that. If you look at Al-Hanisim, it specifically says what they try to do is Lahashkicham to make them forget the Torah, forget the Hanhagas Pnim, the inner working, the Kesher to God, which explains and 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 creates the, the reality in the you know on a day-to-day basis. So that's it. That was the conflict. We said we love science and we love nature and all kola kavod, but we are not denying our kesher to Hashem, which is the inner realm that is, that is the purpose, the cause of everything you're seeing, okay? Now, what happens here is that basically it's a conflict between Dasa Mechabellus and Dasa Poelus, all right? Think about all the things we learned that the Greeks tried to ban, all things that are about the beginning, the origins, the backstory, the, the, the origin of things, Brismila, the beginning, Shabbos, okay? Ro, I'm sorry, Rosh Chodesh, um, violating brides on, before their chuppah. In, in other words, they don't like the 
initial influence of Kedusha, of connection, of, of our understanding that our conducting ourselves according to the instructions of the designer, okay, who knows how to run the world, all right, those are the things that they don't want. Those are the things that, that they want us to turn our back on. They want us to join them in the pursuit of understanding the world and leave behind the, the huge area, the most important area of all, of the connection to God and the identification with Hashem as designer of the world and Hashem's mitzvahs, they want us to ignore that. They want it to disconnect, to forget that the reason we're so successful, and this is today, the reason we're so successful, and the reason Amishol is so smart, and the reason Amishol has a certain national character, which is love, which is inclusive and cares about everybody else and charity giving and all of that. There's a reason that the product okay, looks the way it is. It's because of our, in deep in our mind, we have that connection to God that's driving us. It's not just that we're the smartest because we're just, you know, we're the best at studying physics or like the Koreans think that our Gemara made us smart. There's actually smart, but the smart comes from our, our perspective, our bigger picture that this world is connected to Hashem. And what's happening in this world is because I thought is speaking to us. And that is what the Amisha will never give up, never give up. Okay. That's why they said they you wanted them everybody to write on a horns on the on the horn of a of an ox, which many say was um, like a baby's bottle. They have some in the British Museum. I have we have no chalak in the God of Israel. All right. In other words, we just, we're not, we're disconnecting ourselves from the Kesher, from the connection to God. That, we, that is not going to inform our mindset. This is why, again, Nalanisim, it's Lahashkicha, make you forget. So the difference is, yeah, we're not forgetting. We are not forgetting what is the cause of our Chachma and how we see the world and how we understand, how we understand what we're supposed to do with nature. You see, when Yosef spoke to Paro and gave him his advice, okay? This is the big, huge mindset shift, all right? In a paganistic society, all right, the people are helpless. They're pawns, totally pawns in the, in the, in the hands of the capricious gods. So if the gods are going to do something, we're, that's it. We're all helpless victims. Yosef says, no, this is the Jewish approach. If you understand that nature is created by God so that God could speak through nature and guide us through nature and teach us through nature, you're looking at nature for what can I get from this to help me in my development, all right? It's not what, how, do I, how do I keep the gods happy? It's what can I benefit and how can I develop my self-concept and my connection to God through what I'm discovering, through what I'm seeing, and how can I use nature to my advantage? It's a completely different approach. It's survival mode science, how do we all not all die by the next tornado or, or tsunami versus how do we discover what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants, you know, more and more deeper layers of our, of what the Torah is already talking about through understanding nature. Now we don't get to read all of nature. We don't get to understand everything in nature, but there's no question that the Jewish people's desire to go deeper and deeper into the inner workings of nature and then use our discoveries for the benefit of mankind. This is, this is a whole, this is what is unique to Am Yisrael. This is what we, what Yosef started. Yosef chose to forget, we call it the growing pains, okay? The, the, the animosity of his brothers, the fact that they sold him, the fact that they didn't appreciate who he was, the fact that they didn't trust Yaakov. Mm -hmm. Why did he say, it's, I understand why he forgot his troubles, Right, in other words, everything that happened to him in his father when he was still a child, the growing pains, and others, this is a very good question. Let's focus on this for a second. We are Amisol today. We have 24 Sifre Tanakh. Do we talk about, do you remember when the entire tribe of Binyamin was wiped out? Do you remember the battles in the family? Do you remember when the, all the Jews had civil wars with each other and when, when Shevet Yehuda was fighting civil war in the time of David Amelech with the other tribe? 
we don't talk about our youth and the growing pains and the the chinuch years in terms of um, you know you know the trauma that it has left upon us. When we look at Tanakh and we see that the years where Hakadosh Baruch Hu through Nisim and Avoh was educating us to these to ultimately the great Jewish ideas that would take root and be internalized. You know, those, those, those lessons were learned the hard way in our chinuch years, just like it generally is, okay? When you look at Tanakh, when we look at Tanakh and we see the fighting between the Shvatim, it's very hard to process like, what, what was going on? Aren't they, Darde, like, weren't they much closer? Isn't there, you read, if we're so much worse, because if you read this Adoros, then, then, then how do we view their behavior like civil wars? We would never have civil wars today in Israel, like it's unheard of. Remember what we learned. This is the key idea we learned in the 71737 class and the Leia Rachaleya class. Those years were the Chinuch years. Through Nisim and Avua, Kodesh Baruch was training this nation into what, how the world works, what are the values, what does the Kodesh Baruch Hu want in this world from us? How we are partners with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. We don't always get it right in the Chinuch years. They're very, there are some very disturbing incidents in those a thousand years of Shoftim and, and Malachim. But through those disturbing incidents, truths were taught and truths were learned and truths were internalized. How do you judge the Chinuch if a Chinuch of a parent was successful? How the kids are when they're 15 or how they are when they're 45? Look at Am Yisrael today. Okay, we, are, we have a national character that is more similar to Yosef, okay? That is so, so we've, we've, we've contributed so much to understanding the world and using it correctly and putting it to the benefit of mankind because we actually care about other people because we're not in survival mode. And we share our, our discoveries and we share our, 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 you know, and we're so productive in that way. Um, so, so Yosef is saying, my father's house, yeah, and this is what we're saying, those times, those a thousand years in Tanakh, some of those episodes are literally painful to read, but we don't dwell on them, we don't identify with them anymore, we said, though we learned our lessons through those episodes, that's how we learned their lessons, and those lessons became internalized, and now look at who we are here, so I will forget the growing pains but I'm not going to forget the values and the lessons and the inner landscape that I internalized during that time. And that I'm going to take with me and, um, and I'm going to, you know, bring it to the world. And the fact that he did not forget his father's face. Yes. Saved him. We have that here, the Sota. Yeah. In, in the, it's the Gemara Sota. It's right here in, um, in, in uh, number... Yeah, it's in number, I don't remember where I put it. Um, it's here, the sources right here, where he saw his father's face. Um, oh, I thought, wait, where was it? Yes, uh, where is it? Oh, if you got the lead in, that's bad. Yes, I had the, um, I thought I had it here. Yes, there's a Gemara that talks about that Yosef saw his father's face, exactly. The main idea, the takeaway for us guys, here we are. Number one, that the Rambam we started with, every person's task is to develop the Kesher to the inner realm, which inner only comes with learning Torah. Rambam says you got to keep your mind going and learning and developing. Number two, proudly, as Yosef, right? Proudly identify as a person with a Kesher to the inner realm. Okay. Forget the growing pains, which all led us to our strength, to our confidence, to our beauty, okay, like Yosef. But never forget the inner realm, which is driving everything that is happening, all right? Trust that the circle will close and everything will make perfect sense. And that we'll talk about next week, the Ani Yosef moment, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the whole thing. How Kodesh Baruch Hu is... Um, is um is 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 driving everything all the pieces are working together all the pieces are going to fit together perfectly in the end and we're going to see you get a glimpse of the inner realm that was at work making all the various pieces and of course where you really see that is the also in the perm story right that's what the Miguel is all about giving you the backstory what's really going on here so this is this is um our our kind of like our marching orders in Gullus in cultures that are different than our values, 
to, and this is how we retain, remain different. The big, big, big mistake that we must avoid at all times, the big mistake is when we see history unfolding, when we see successes, when we see, for example, the, the bad, the victories, let's say of the 67 war and these type of things, the great mistake, the slipping into the, you know, losing the Yosef consciousness would be to say, uh, would be to say, oh, you know why we won this war? Because, you know, if you look at the Alanisim, they talk about the war, but it doesn't dwell, the war, if you look at the Alanisim, we did this in the Tefillah class, but take a look at it. When it lists the victory, it talks about the inner realm. It says, Rabin biad ma'atim, okay, that's like a little odd. Giborim biad chalashim, that's also a little odd, strong, strong in the hands of the few, but then it says, so, um, it says, What is that? You can't measure that in a war. Who's Tahar, who's Tameh, who's a Rush, who's a Tzaddik, who's, uh, you know, that's the inner realm. The, the Alanism is telling you what's going, why they won the war. There's an inner realm here that has to do with the person's in private Kesher to Baruch Hu. That's what's going on in Alanism. And then it emphasizes. And the reason we ran won this war, because we don't glorify war at all, is to go back to the base of Middash and purify it in order to bring to the world in Persume Nisa the inner working. When he light the menorah is the light in the darkness. We're saying, guys, there's an inner, there's an inner realm that's driving everything here. That's the Nisim of not just the battlefield, but the R, the, the Shemin that lasted eight days that only a few Kohanim saw whoever was on the shift that week. And then they told everybody about it. In other words, there's a whole inner realm. That's the reason for what's happening. That's what we take with us. That is the Hanukkah message and the Yosef message. That's what led to Yosef's success. And that's the uh, strength that the, the tzaddikim and tzaddikim through the ages have who never, ever, ever, ever falter. There's always those people that are the center of gravity. I've mentioned this many times. You know, they have these biographies of these great people. Now, <clears throat> Even if 50% of what they write is true, it's still, you know, it's still, it's still uh, worth reading. One of the ones I love the most is just because it really, really draws home this, this you really see a person who did this is the uh, Klosenberger Rebbe. It's worth getting the biography of the Klosenberger Rebbe, what he did, how he retained, he never faltered, not for one second. And after the war, he was a center of gravity and everybody came to him and he started so many institutions and built up Judaism so much. My father used to go to him. We always used to hear about him. Um, it's a book worth reading to see how these people, you know, there really are these Yosefs throughout every generation. All right, everybody. Yes. Yes. You were talking about like the fact that as, as Jews, we look in nature, we look in nature to yeah. find the deepest yeah. that it's Hashem. Yeah. 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 I love the moral system that you gave us because at the end of the day, Right, exactly. Exactly. When you try to approach nature from Das and Cabela's, you're, you're always to, uh, behind the April. You're always behind the April because nature will flip on you in a half a second. Because there's it's nice to be able to think and to look and to right. find, but just to have the humility to know. Exactly. 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 Guys, I'm going to pause the recording. So I'll look at the chat. I mean, I'm stopping the recording, but I'm not ending the meeting. Thank